Um, for those of you who are um, visiting for the first time or um, yeah, have not been here for a little while, we're currently going through a series called The Family DNA. And it's a series on what we as Light and Life consider to be of greatest value. And we've called it the family DNA because we believe these are the identifying marks that make us who we are. And they're not necessarily things that we can say we've got all perfect, um, few, far from it, but, um, but they're things that we consider to be of the greatest importance, things that we are aiming towards and prioritizing, things that we want to see God work amongst us and form as our DNA, that when people look at us, this is what they would see. And the starting point of our values um, is that we believe that God is love. And that his highest value is to love. And so we've broken down the values into three key headings. Um, To love God, to love his church, and to love his world. And this morning we continue to look at what it means to love the church, to love his church. Which essentially, if you think about it, really means that we're talking about what it means to love you. What it means to love one another. What it means to love the followers of Christ. Because we are the church. If the next slide can can go up, you'll see that this morning, the the heading that we're looking at, if you look through our values, one of the things that we explain loving his church about is that we are to be transformational. And we explain that by saying that we mean to be encouraging the development and growth of all believers to become more like Jesus. You know, those of you who are are, are regulars here will know that our our vision statement, our purpose as a church is to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. And we've also been talking a lot recently about Isaiah 61, haven't we? And we've been talking a lot about a a picture that we believe that God has given, a big fish coming in, of new believers being added into God's family. And all of that is is fantastic and it's really exciting, isn't it? But It means that if I'm honest, often when I think about our purpose, when I think about that statement, to see God's love transform lives as we follow him, I automatically think about other people. I don't know what you think about when you you say that statement. I automatically think about other people. And even more than that, I would say I probably automatically think about those who don't yet know Jesus. Those who are on the outside. And the role that we have as we follow him and enabling them to come to know him and to see his love transform their lives. And that's right. That is one of our highest priorities and greatest purposes as a church. To see people come to know God for the first time. To see them added into God's family and giving him the praise that he is due. But while all of that is massively important, And as we talk about that and as we focus on that, because it's going to remain a key focus of us as a church for a long time. What I don't want you to lose sight of is the transformation that God wants to do in you. The transformation that God wants to do in your life, in your mind, in your heart, as you follow him. You know, our heart as as a church is just as much to see God's love transform your life as you follow him. Now, Paul writes in in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, And we all, and is all believers, all people who follow Jesus, who with unveiled faces contemplate or behold the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image or his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
You see, the amazing truth is that God accepts you and he loves you and he delights in you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. He desperately wants to see your life transformed. He wants to shape and strengthen your character. He wants to clean the muck out of your heart. He wants to rework your values and your priorities. He wants to give you wisdom and insight and understanding as to who he is and what it is that he has for you. He wants to make you more like Jesus. And he wants to transform my life to make me more like Jesus too. And I don't know about you, but I find that exciting. That being a follower of Jesus isn't just a matter of believing the right things and acting in the right way and knowing then that we're going to get to heaven. But actually being a follower of Jesus means being in a relationship with him. It means that we get, when we spend time with him, when we contemplate and we behold his glory, as Paul puts it, that we're transformed. That a change takes place in our lives and it carries on for our entire lives. This process of transformation carries on and it doesn't come to completion until Christ returns and we see him face to face and then we become like him. And I find that exciting because it means that for my entire life, I can confidently say that the best is yet to come. That God has more for me and God has more for you. You know, it doesn't matter if I feel like my life is falling apart or if I feel like I'm on top of the world. It doesn't matter if, you know, I'm in, in a place where, you know, I, I'm struggling and I feel weak. Or if I'm in a place where I feel strong and mature, the best is yet to come. God has more for me. He has more in store for me and he has more in store for, for you. Whether you've been following him for years or whether you're a new believer, God has more for you. He wants to draw you into deeper relationship with him. He wants you to see more of who he is and to be changed because of it. You know, God's heart is that every day you would become more and more like Jesus. And when I was preparing for today, I came across um, a book by Max Licardo. I don't know if any of you have have read it. It's called Just Like Jesus. And I want to read a, a, a couple of paragraphs from his introduction. And what I do, I want to encourage you to close your eyes to forget about the people who are around you and um, just to think about the questions which are going to be asked. And as you do, just to stir your imagination, engage your imagination with it. Okay, I hope you're up for that. So, is everyone ready? Yeah, here we go. This is what Max Licardo writes. He says, what if for one day Jesus were to become you? What if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule. Your boss becomes his boss. Your mother becomes his mother. Your pains become his pains. With just one exception, nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change. Your circumstances don't change. Your schedule isn't altered. Your problems aren't solved. Only one change occurs. What if for one day and one night, Jesus lives your life, but with his heart? Your heart gets the day off. And your life is led by the heart of Christ. His priorities govern your actions. His passions drive your decisions. His love directs your behavior. What would you be like? Just think about it for a moment. Would people notice a change? Your family, would they see something new?
your co-workers, would they sense a difference? What about the less fortunate? Would you treat them the same? And your friends, would they detect more joy in you? How about your enemies? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart than they do from yours? And you, how would, how would you feel? What alterations would this transplant have on your stress level, your mood swings, your temper? Would you sleep better? Would you see sunsets differently? Death differently? Taxes differently? Any chance you'd need fewer aspirin or sedatives? How about your reaction to traffic delays or your reaction to your own rebellious children? Would you still dread what you were dreading? Better yet, would you still do what you were doing? Would you still do what you had planned to do for the next 24 hours? Just think about your schedule, obligations, engagements, outings, appointments. With Jesus taking over your heart, would anything change? Keep working on your imagination for a moment. Adjust the lens of your imagination until you have a clear picture of Jesus leading your life. Then snap the shutter. Frame the image. What you see is what God wants. He wants you to have the heart and mind of Christ. If you've been trying to imagine that, you can open your eyes now. I don't know how you got on or or what you imagined things to be like. But if you were anything like me, then things were radically different than the way they are now. And I don't want you to be left feeling bad. I don't want you to be left feeling guilty about the way that your life is because we're all a work in progress. But what I want is it to, to stir some kind of excitement within you, some kind of desire in you for how things could be. I know that that's what God's desire is for you. That's what God's heart is for you. That as you give your life to God every day, that he would be at work transforming you to become more and more like Jesus. And that God's amazing promise to you is that no matter how you might feel, as you give your life to him, you are being transformed to be like Jesus. You know, this whole transformation process, I think it begins with an understanding of our identity. You know, identity is a huge issue in our society, isn't it? You know, the way in which we see ourselves and the way in which um, other people see us, and even more the way that we want other people to see us, plays a massive role on the way in which we make our decisions and, and what it is that we spend time doing. You know, our identity and how people see us is important to us. So as as people in this country, because of that, we spend a lot of time on our appearance and the way in which we look to make sure that people see us the way that we we want them to see us. Um, Here's a few statistics for you. The average UK man spends 4.5 hours every week on their appearance. What do you think, men? Sound realistic? I've never totted up the minutes in front of the mirror, but it sounds pretty high to me. But it's average, so I guess there's some people who spend less than that and some people who spend way more than that on their image every week. So, moving on, the average UK woman... Here we go. (laughs) 
No comment. 6.4 hours every week on their appearance. And if you think that's a lot, the average teenager, teenagers in here, 7.7 hours every week on their appearance. Now, despite all that time they've spent on how we look, at least once a week, 36% of men, 60% of adult women, and the scariest of all, 78% of teenage girls between 16 and 18 have negative thoughts about their looks. Why? Because what other people think of us and the way that we see ourselves matters. It's important to us. And one of the key things that we place our identity in is our appearance. Why don't we watch a short video that might help you to think through how you see your identity. Who are you? What is it that makes you, you? What is your identity? How do you see yourself? It's a massively important question because the starting point of God's transformation work within our lives is for us to grasp the truth. That when we give our lives to Jesus, when we look to him for forgiveness and commit ourselves to following him, that there is an instantaneous change in our identity. Our identity instantly shifts from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. It instantaneously shifts from being slaves to sinful, selfish desires to being set free and made a new creation. Now, Paul says in in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. It's happened. And in Colossians 3 verse 12 he says, You who are followers of Jesus are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now as a follower of Jesus, you are holy 
and dearly loved. You might not always feel like it. You might not always feel like you're a new creation or feel like you're a child of God or feel like you are holy. But when you become a follower of Jesus, that is your identity. That is who you are. And you need to understand your identity because if you go through life continually seeing yourself and seeing your identity as as a sinner, as someone who falls short and continuously makes mistakes and messes things up, then you will remain trapped in that same cycle of behavior. You will keep on doing things that you know go against God's purposes because you see that as who you are. The starting point of experiencing God's transforming work in your life is to allow your mind to be renewed by the truth. That as a follower of Jesus, your identity is now in Christ. You are a new creation. The old has gone. And behold, the new has come. You are a child of God. You are holy and dearly loved. You might still occasionally make a mess of things and make mistakes. But that's not who you are. That's not your identity. Your identity is as a child of God. And you know, when we make mistakes, it can be so easy to lose sight of that truth. It's such a, we we might think that we know it, and then we mess up, and Satan jumps on us. And he condemns us and makes us feel guilty and trapped in that place. And like, we've messed everything up. How can we possibly be a child of God? How can we possibly be like that? That we are this mess on the floor. But if you're a follower of Jesus today, then I want to remind you that you are a new creation. That you are free. That you are a child of God. That you are holy and dearly loved. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, then I want to tell you that that freedom is available. If you are feeling trapped in a cycle of wrong behavior and destructive behavior and you want to be free of it, that freedom is available as you turn to Jesus. And if that's something you want to find out more about, I'd love to chat to you later. So our transformation, it begins with an understanding of our identity, of who we are. Understanding what it is that God has already done in us. But that's only the starting point. God has more for you. You know, we read in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 earlier, and it says that we are being transformed into his image or his likeness with ever-increasing glory, or as another translation puts it, from one degree of glory to another. That there is a constant process of transformation that God is wanting to cause within your heart, within your mind, within your life, step by step and little by little. That life as a follower of Jesus is not meant to be static, There is something very wrong if you were the same today as you were a year ago. Life as a follower of Jesus is meant to be a dynamic, transformational process. You know, that's our heart as a church, is to see God's love transforming your life week in and week out. For you to become more and more like Jesus. And thankfully, Paul gives us an idea how that change is going to take place as well. So we'll just read it again. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. He writes, And we all who with unveiled faces behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is 
the Spirit. So Paul tells us that it's as we behold the Lord's glory that we are transformed to be like him. So if we want our lives to be transformed so that we become more like Jesus, so that we reflect Jesus, and when people look at us, they see something of Jesus, then we first need to see Jesus. We need to have our eyes opened to see him. It is seeing Jesus, beholding Jesus. It's when we hold up and admire and contemplate Jesus that we become like him. That enables that transformation process of the Spirit's work within us to become like him. To become people who naturally look like him. Reflect him and show him to to others. You know, if you want to become like Jesus, you know, last week we were talking about what it was to be a people of love, a radical people of love, which doesn't come naturally to us as, as human beings. But if you want to be like that, if you want to be a person of love like we were talking about last week, the kind of person who puts others first, if you want to be a person who moves in power in your ministry, the key is to see Jesus for who he really is. And give yourself to focusing on him and admiring him. You know, what it is that we give our focus to, what it is that we fill our minds with, what it is that we spend our time thinking about and looking at, what it is that we admire and hold up, determines who we become. Um, I remember when I was a a teenager back at school, um, probably be, uh, I had a best mate, he was called Matt, um, we probably spent pretty much every day together from the ages of about 12 to 17. And um, he was a, a great guy who I had a lot of fun with and I, who I really admired. Um, and because Matt was someone that I admired, over the course of that time, as I spent so much time with him, he had a huge influence on who I became and who I was. And slowly over time I became like him. Not all of that was good. But, you know, I shared his, his taste in music. I, I copied the style of clothes he wore, which at the time, if you remember them back in the uh, kind of early 90s, was big baggy jeans with kind of chains hanging down from them, black t-shirts, black hoodies with band albums kind of plastered all over them. I even ended up talking like him and we could finish each other's sentences. You know, the people that we hold up and we admire... The things that we hold up and we focus on and we admire, we become like. If we want to become like Jesus, then God's promise to us is that as we hold up Jesus, as we admire Jesus, as we focus on him, spend our time with him and surround ourselves with him, that he will empower us and enable us by his spirit to become like him. So how do we do that? I think the most important thing that we can do to fill our minds with Jesus is to get stuck into his word. To read our Bibles. And it's something we've talked about quite a bit over the last few weeks, but that's simply because it's so important. And I want to remind you again, I'm not going to talk about it a lot, so I want to remind you again, pick up your Bible and read it every day. It's the most important thing that you can do to see something more of who God is. And to discover something more of who God wants you to be. It's the most important thing that you can do to see something more of Jesus. But there are lots of other things that we can do as well. And I I can't talk about all of them. But there's two things that I feel that God wants us to, to focus on and to talk about this morning. The first one is to worship. 
Worship is obviously first and foremost about God. We worship him because he is worthy of it, because he deserves it, because of his greatness and because of his glory. But while our motive for worship is to declare the greatness of God and to tell God how much we love him, the amazing thing is that God has his own plan and agenda for worship as well. That there is a power in worship as God works. That when we come to God in worship with an open heart, with unveiled faces, honest with him about who we are, where we're at, what's going on, and we give ourselves and our focus to him in that place to focus on his glory, to behold him for who he is, to praise him and to lift him up, we put ourselves in that place that Paul's talking about. And God promises to us that as we do that, he will be at work transforming our lives to become more like Jesus. When we draw near to God in worship, he draws near to us, reaches into our lives by his spirit, by his power. And he transforms us from the inside out. God's promise to us is when we come to him in true worship, we will never leave the same. We will always be changed. Not that that's why we worship, but because God loves us, he reaches out to us as we worship. You know, it's incredible the number of times over the years that I've come along to a church service or I've started my devotional time with God simply because I knew that I I really had to and I should do and it was the right thing to do. But inside, I have felt grumpy and frustrated and angry. You know, I've had a falling out or a row with somebody or I've just been telling off one of the kids or, you know, something has been in there or I've had a bad attitude about something. But as I've come to God with an open heart, Honest about how I'm feeling, but I focus my eyes on his greatness, on his glory, on his love. He has transformed my perspective. And that heart attitude has been changed to become more like Jesus. He's transformed my heart from being full of a selfish, worldly outlook to being more like his. And it happens before anyone stands up to preach. It happens before I've even opened my Bible to read. God's already begun to work in my heart and in my life to transform me as I fixed my eyes on him. So I want to encourage you, begin your times with God this week with worship before you do anything else. Begin by fixing your eyes on him. You know, when you come uh, on a Sunday morning, come with an open heart ready to enter into worship. Because as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And he will be at work in your heart and in your life to transform you. So the first thing is worship. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do to to help you surround yourself with Jesus and to keep your mind fixed on him is to prioritize time with people who love Jesus. You know, the amazing thing is that because God is at work transforming us to become like him, That when we spend time with people that God is at work in, we see something of him. And we can see something of Jesus. You know, it's one of the things that I love about the times when we gather together on a Sunday or when I meet up with people in, in the week at different times is that so often I come away from those occasions encouraged and stirred up from nothing more than spending time with people who love Jesus and seeing something of Jesus in them. And through that, it allows God to work within me and to transform me as well. 
So it means that when we gather together as a, as a church, at any time, wherever it might be, we have the potential to create a, an incredible environment for transformation. You know, as I see something of Jesus in you, and God then begins to, to work in me and to transform me to become something more like Jesus. And then as I go off to, to talk to someone else and then they see something of Jesus in me. And God starts to work in them and then they go off to talk to somebody else and they see something of Jesus in them. And God, this cycle begins to occur as we see Jesus in one another. And God works that transformation within our hearts. Even more incredible is the fact that that transformation isn't limited to the times that we meet together with followers of Jesus. But as we go out into the community, we can carry something of Jesus with us. We take something of Jesus with us. And we, as we're open-hearted with people and share with people, actually we could have the potential to be agents for change as God reveals something of himself to them through us. You know, within our church, there is the potential for an incredible explosion of transformation. Not only affecting us within here, but affecting the whole town of St. Austell and beyond. And I say there's a potential for it because I don't think it'll happen automatically. If we want our relationships to be transformational, then we need to talk about more than the weather. And we need to be intentional about it. Now, Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We need to consider how we're going to do it. We need to plan in advance and be intentional about our conversations and our relationships. To plan in advance how we're going to encourage one another and point one another to Jesus. You know, for our relationships to be transformational, It takes a commitment to being open and honest and vulnerable with one another. Allowing each other to see our weaknesses as well as our strengths. To see our struggles as well as our successes and how God is with us in both. And I know that being vulnerable with people isn't always easy. I'm not suggesting that you go and bear your heart to to anyone and everyone. It might be that you want to ask God just to highlight two or three people that you can be open and honest with. To make a commitment to them. Knowing that as you do that, as you bear your heart to them and as they open their hearts to you, that God will begin this cycle of transformation as you see something of Jesus in one another. You know, if you're not already in a momentum group, then it might be that you want to think about joining one. It's a perfect environment for this kind of sharing of life. And and if you are already in a momentum group, it might be that actually, if you're honest, you need to make a fresh commitment to one another to have this kind of intentional relationship, to not just go through the motions, to have intentional, honest, open, vulnerable relationships, sharing your weaknesses as well as your strengths and how God is at work in both. But regardless of whether you find being vulnerable easy or hard, One thing I think we can all commit to doing is asking God for opportunities within every single one of our relationships, both inside and outside of the church, opportunities to point people to Jesus, opportunities to reveal something of Jesus through who we are, through how we treat them, through the things that we talk about with them, through through the the way in in which we behave around them. Now, I want to share a little story about a young girl that I came across, and I don't know if it's true, but it illustrates the the point well. 
Um, one Sunday as they drove home from church, a little girl turned to her mother and said, Mummy, there's something about the preacher's message this morning that I don't understand. The mother said, Oh, what is it? And the little girl replied, Well, he said that God is bigger than we are. He said God is so big that he could hold the whole world in his hand. Is that true? And the mother replied, Yes, that's true, sweetie. But mummy, he also said that God comes to live inside of us. When we accept Jesus as our saviour, is that true too? And again, the mother assured the little girl, yes, that's, that's true. And with a puzzled look on her face, the little girl then asked, if God is bigger than us and he lives inside of us, shouldn't he show through us? It's a good point, isn't it? When we accept Jesus into our lives as our saviour, when we commit our lives to God and we give ourselves to him and allow him to transform us day by day, then when people see us, Jesus ought to shine through us. In our homes, at work, at school, in every relationship that we have. But I think it's almost like we're a, a shuttered lantern. I don't know if you've ever seen those lanterns with the light inside, but they've got the doors. And we've got a choice whether the shutters are closed or not. And if you want to see God at work in you and through you, if you want your relationships to be transformational, and for people to see something of Jesus in you, then I want to encourage you to open your shutters. To open your heart to people. To be open and honest with people. As you do that, it will allow Jesus to shine through. Now, God's heart is for you to become like Jesus. For you to experience healing from past hurts. For you to experience being set free from from sinful behavior. For you to realize your new identity as as a child of God. And to be empowered and enabled by the Spirit in everything that you do. His heart is for you to be transformed. And I can confidently say that every change that he wants to make in your life is good for you. That God knows what's best for you. But for us to experience that transforming power, we first need to realize our identity. To accept that we are children of God, that we are holy and dearly loved, that we are a new creation. And then we need to give ourselves to admiring Jesus. To beholding him, to contemplating on him, to looking at him, to focus on him in everything that we do so that we become like him. We can do that through his word. We can do that in times of worship. We can do that by prioritizing intentional relationships with one another. And as we do that, we will see God work in us and through us. I want to leave you with two action points. You know I like my action points. And um, for you to go away with this week. Um, The first thing... I want you to do is to think of one thing, just one, one thing that you can change this week that will give you more space to hold up and admire Jesus. One thing that you can change so that your time is spent in a way that allows you to see something more of him. Okay? The second action point is to ask God to show you one person that you can come alongside and encourage and point to Jesus. One person that you can be intentional in your conversations and in your relationships with. And if you don't already have somebody, one person that you can be open and honest and vulnerable with as well. Okay, so first of all, 
One thing you can change this week, so you can have more space to hold up and admire Jesus. And secondly, one person that you can come alongside and point to, Jesus. And as I, as I come to the end, I'm conscious that it might be that this morning, as we've, we've been talking about transformation, that there are some people here who feel like they have an area of their life where they can't imagine it ever changing. That there's some area, some behavior, some attitude, some thinking that you have lived with and has been a part of your life and a part of who you are for so long that you can't see yourself ever being any other way or ever being free from it. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God is greater and bigger than whatever it is that is on your mind. That he has power over it. And that as you allow him to come into your life, as you open your heart to him, it's with an unveiled face, an open face, so fully honest before God, letting him into that area of your life, that he wants to work today by his spirit to set you free. to strengthen you and enable you by his spirit to walk in victory in that area of your life.